Well, welcome everybody. We are so glad uh, to be able to have this time with you. Uh, for those of you that are newer with us, uh, welcome to Palmerado Christian Church, and we are uh, so thankful to spend this morning with you. And for those of you that have been here for years, well, you hopefully know that you're always welcome as well, and we're so thankful that whether it's your first time or thousandth time, that uh, you were not here by accident this morning, that you were prayed for, cared for, and loved before you walked into these doors. And, and I hope that God works uh, in a powerful way in each of our lives while we are here. That we're in the middle of a series called I Am, in which we are looking at the seven I Am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And, and we look at this because in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, when God is calling Moses to go and to free his people from Egypt, Moses says, well, who, who are you? Who should I say is sending me? And this is how God responds. He says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And so this is not lost on the Jewish people. That Yahweh, the, the word that is I am who I am, that there are people in the Jewish faith for years that would not even speak the name because they didn't want to say it incorrectly because there's such holiness and such power in it. And so when Jesus comes years after Moses in this situation in Exodus, and he comes onto the scene and he starts saying these statements like, I am the resurrection and the life, or I am the bread of life. These would, this would not be lost on the Jewish people. The, the weight of what he was saying, because he was very clearly hearkening back, tying back to ex Exodus 3 and this idea that he is saying, I am the I am. He's proclaiming and shouting forth his divinity, that he is God. And that was earth shattering to them. So we've looked at a few of these already. The first one is on Easter. We said, I am the resurrection and the life. And our main point for that was that Easter isn't just about how Jesus resurrected 2,000 years ago. It's, it's about that. But it's also about how he is the resurrection and is still providing hope today. So that was our first idea. I am the resurrection and the life. He is still providing us hope. Then last week, we talked about the idea of I am the bread of life. And the main point for that is that while our stomachs may rumble and our hearts may grumble, Jesus alone can satisfy our hunger. And so we're able to tie into that idea of recognizing the, that all of our deepest hungers and needs in our lives, whether it's our stomach rumbling or our hearts grumbling, the only one who can satisfy is Jesus. And we looked at that last week. This week, we're looking at Jesus' statement in John 10, verse 7, that says, I am the door. And so if you will join me in a word of prayer before we dive into the scripture together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here in this place, and I thank you for each and every person that is here uh, with us and each and every person that is listening online later. Lord, I pray that they would know that they are loved by you, that they are not here or they're not listening by accident. God, I pray that you would open up our eyes, ears, and hearts to what you have for us. I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a powerful, personal, impactful way to each and every person. And may we be different when we walk out these doors than we were when we walked in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, you know, there are certain times in our lives in which um, you know, there are just moments when you know that when you walk through a door, that everything is going to change. 
You know, I think of an example of when Steph and I got married and we went to Maui for our honeymoon for five days. We came back, we had a friend pick us up from the airport, uh, from LAX, drove us to our house, our condo rather, in um, apartment, I don't even know the word, uh, the apartment in Glendora. And she would like, it was really nice. She gave us a couple like groceries, just kind of get us through the morning. And then Steph like turns to her friend and says, thank you so much for coming. Have a good night. And so then she looks at me. She's like, thank you so much. Have a good night. And I was like, don't I get to stay? Like, don't I? we're married, right? And it's like, we walked in and because Steph had stayed at that house um, with a friend uh, for six weeks before we got married and I was staying with a different friend. Um, it was the first time walking into that door that we're like, this is everything's different now. This isn't one person's place. This is our place. This isn't two separate lives. This is one life and one flesh coming together and having the full life of marriage. And so walking into that door, I knew that everything was going to be different. What I didn't know is that she was going to ask me to leave so quickly, but that's okay. Um, But it's this idea we know for some of us, we just know something's going to be different when we walk through these doors. That maybe for some of you, it's the idea of walking in uh, to a school for the first time. And, and it's whether it's elementary or middle school or high school or college, and it's this idea of I'm walking into the classroom and I, it's, everything's different now. Maybe for some of you, it's this idea of finding a, a job and being able to walk into a new position, a new role, a new place of work, and everything's going to be different now. Maybe for some of you, it's getting married. and It was the idea of walking into, whether it's a church or an event center or wherever it was that you got married, and you walked in, and you knew that when you walked in, you were single, and then when you walked out, you'd be married. Maybe for some of you, it was the moment when the water had broken, the labor pains were, were strong, and you went into a hospital room, and you knew that when you walked out of those doors, a family of two would become a family of three. That now everything in life was different. That there are multiple different examples of these things that we can walk into a door and know the old life, the old way that we used to live is different now. And that it's a completely different life and a completely different thing. And so whether that's one of those examples, whether you've had different examples, what we want to talk about today is how Jesus, our main point is that Jesus is the door out of our old life and into the full life. Jesus is our door out of the old life and into the full life. And there's a lot there that we're going to dive into, what that means, the out of versus into. What does it mean to have the old life versus the full life and not the new life? I mean, all these different things. And so we're going to be in John chapter 10, verse 1 through 10. It's on page 1666, 1666 in the church Bible. Uh, but if you have your own, your own Bible or a Bible app, that's great. But what we want to do is I need to take the first few moments of this sermon, verses 1 through 5, kind of paint the picture of a lot of shepherding terms. We're going to look at a term called the sheep, uh, sheep pen. We're going to use the word fold. We're going to look at what a gatekeeper is, a thief, a robber, the shepherd, um, a false shepherd. We have a few terms we need to kind of dive into a little bit to provide the context for the meaning and the application that Jesus wants us to take home when we hear this passage. And so... Again, we're going to be in John chapter 10, and I need to provide a little bit of context in the story of where this is taking place. Because if you remember in our Share Your Style series a couple months ago, we looked at the testimonial style. And the testimonial style, our main point was the idea that everyone loves a good story. And what better story can you share, can you tell, than the story of how Jesus changed your life? 
And so because of that, we looked at John chapter 9, right before this, John chapter 9 with the blind man who was born blind, who was healed, and how the Pharisees just kept investigating him, kept questioning him. And he got to the point where he said, listen, I don't know all the answers about who Jesus is. Is he a prophet? Is he this? He's like, I don't know. Here's one thing I do. I once was blind, now I see. And he gives this testimony of how Jesus changed his life. But yet the Pharisees, that was not okay with them. And so they, at the end of John chapter 9, they actually kick him out of the Jewish community. They kick him out of the synagogue and they kick him out of being able to be a part of that. And so that's why his parents, when they were, invest- or when they were asked, they didn't want to give an answer of whether he was blind or not because they didn't want to be kicked out. But it's after this, it's when he's been left out of the, of the relationship, um, sorry, of the community, that Jesus, in verse 1, very clearly directs this next, these next verses to the Pharisees. And so, the first section we want to look at is this idea of out of the fold. Again, we're going to dive into what that means. So the first verse I want to look at is John chapter 10, verse 1. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. Stop there. So the word fold is the word that we're using for fold, is the word that's here for sheep pen. And so a sheep pen, the reason we're using the word fold is that there's two different kind of sheep pens, and so we want to be able to kind of explain what that looks like. But the point underneath for you there is that the door, in your notes, the door was the only way out of the fold. The door was the only way out of the fold. That there are two, like I said, two different types of folds, of sheet pens, of folds that we see in this time period. There's one that is a much larger one. And there's a picture for us here. Um, and that's a much bigger one here. And this is one that in which there's a larger fold in which multiple flocks would stay overnight. And so this would be the idea of like, if you've ever left your pet at like a pet hotel, like a Petco or something like that, and you leave your pet and then you would go and you would go wherever you're going and you come back and there's someone who's in charge of making sure that your, that your pet was fine. So this is a larger one. And what I want to do, because the terms are going to get a little confusing or, or I don't want us to miss the application. If you'll do me a favor and on the back of your notes, uh, I want you to draw a rectangle and I just want you to write the word fold in between. Fold. That way we can kind of get an idea. When we talk about the fold, we're talking about a larger sheep pen, one in which multiple flocks would be staying there. A larger sheep pen in which multiple flocks. So put a rectangle and write the word fold. Now we look at verse 1. We continue on. It talks about how if anyone tries to come into the fold another way other than the gate, other than the door, that they're a thief or a robber. The word thief comes from the word kleptos. It's where we get the word kleptomaniac. Um, and then we also get the word robber. So a thief is someone who steals. A robber is someone who would steal but would also inflict harm and provide, uh, pr- inflict bodily harm. So both of those things are someone who would steal and then also someone who would want to hurt you and actually cause some harm. We look at that there and then we think about um, verse 2 when it continues on. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. That like we said, the door, the gate was the only way in. And so the shepherd is the one that was able to get in. He knew the sheep and his sheep knew him. Then verse three, another word we need to look at is gatekeeper. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. This is the shepherd's voice. The sheep listen to the shepherd's voice. The shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
So again, picture being at like a, a pet hotel in which there's all these dogs or cats running around and you call the name of your dog and your dog comes in because the dog knows your voice. There's a gatekeeper whose job was just to make sure that no false shepherds would come in and say, oh no, that's my sheep, that's my dog, but have no relationship with them. So it's important that the sheep know the shepherd and vice versa. We see here that because the gatekeeper was in charge of that, that there was only one way in. And that's important for us. The next thing, the reason why it's important is that the shepherd was the only one in your notes who could enter through the door and lead the sheep out of the fold. He was the only one who could enter through that door. That when you saw that rectangle, there was that thing that the only one who was allowed in was the shepherd. Here's why. Verse 4. When he has brought out all his own, when he has called to his flock, and his flock have come out of the fold because they knew his voice, they know him, and vice versa. When he had brought out all his own flock, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. It's a little bit different when, when, when I was at a missions trip, I would be in the front, but I would always have someone else who would be able to kind of watch and just make sure that everybody on the missions trip was in front, right? That when we were trying to lead, I would often want to be in the back, but a couple of years ago when we went to Haiti, I was out front and I was like, hey, there's this guy named Mike Miller and he was strong and he was awesome. And so he was just kind of the protector of the whole, he would go on the back and make sure. And that's what I often would think about when it comes to a shepherd leading is being able to be someone who's on the back, making sure everyone's safe. But this is one in which we see the shepherd leads out front. And the reason the sheep are able to follow is because they recognize his voice, that he's not on the back corralling them, trying to make sure he's, he's walking and the people, I'm oh, sorry, the sheep follow his lead. Verse five, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. This word stranger, what we're going to kind of correlate it to is the idea of a false shepherd, as if there would be a stranger who doesn't know the sheep, but wants to act as a shepherd to them and say, no, 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 follow me. But they don't know his voice. They haven't spent time with him. They don't know who he is. He's a stranger, but we're using the idea of it being a false shepherd. And so then in verse six, in verse six, actually, sorry, before we get there, we recognize that because they knew that his voice they were able to follow him. And I just want to ask the question, for those of us who have trusted in Jesus, when was the last time that just as the sheep were led by their shepherd's voice, when was the last time that you and I, that we were truly led by our shepherd, by Jesus's voice? How many times have we heard him calling us to do something? And whether because of insecurity or because it's uncomfortable or because we just are afraid or because we just don't want to, we want to be stubborn. How many times have we rejected the voice of our shepherd? And when was the last time we did that and we obeyed and we moved forward and what was the blessing that we saw from that? So just a little sidebar. So we look here, that then and jump down in verse 6. He says that Jesus used this figure of speech of the sheepfold, the gatekeeper, the thief, the robber, and the false shepherd. He used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. That we see in verse 1 that he was directly speaking to them because they had just kicked out a blind man who had been healed. And he's looking at them and he's using this analogy, this figure of speech, to try to put a mirror up in front of them and show them their faults. Because what he's trying to get at here is that the sheep, as we see in, in throughout the Old Testament, specifically um, in Ezekiel 34, there's a whole section about how the God's people are his sheep and that there are either bad shepherds or good shepherds. But we also see 
A lot of God's leaders in the Old Testament, David, Amos, even Moses, were shepherds. And so God's people being connected to sheep is a a connection that was very common and very understandable. So when he's talking about the sheep, he's talking about the Jewish people. When he's talking about the shepherd, the good shepherd, which we'll hear more about next week, the good shepherd is the Messiah. It's Jesus. It's him. But then when he talks about the false shepherds, the strangers who they don't really know the voice and the people don't know their voice, the false shepherds who said that they were in charge and leading the people, but they didn't really care all that much about them. Rather, they cared about their own position, not the position of the people being in need, that they cared about their own prosperity, not the prosperity and the shalom of the people. That when they talk about a false shepherd, he's calling the Pharisees out and making it clear that you are not a true shepherd, that they don't follow you, that you are trying to steal them, you're trying to go about a way that isn't the way that has been planned. Warren Wearsby talks about this, how the false shepherds can never lead the sheep, so they must steal them away. They must try to take them and say, no, no, you follow me by force, or you follow me by harm. And so for them in this time period, the false shepherds were the Pharisees who were so struck, focused on you know, doing the right things and religiosity and not having a right relationship with God, but just having it be about works and acts that we do, that they were false shepherds and the people wouldn't listen. They wouldn't lead them. But we are now being lured away by other types of false shepherds. We might be lured away by the, the culture around us that says that saying that Jesus is the only way is hateful. So then we don't want to share our faith. We don't want to say anything because if we do that, then that means that we're just going to be like everybody else that, that is hateful and that is mean. Maybe it's we're looking at the way of the world and saying that it's your own prosperity, your own ability to do your own good things and to make a, a person out of yourself, a, a make a man or a self-made woman and being able to do things your way. That, that self-reliance means that we're not relying on God. And so maybe we think that that's a false shepherd who will lead us but really it doesn't help us at all. Maybe it's the idea of wanting more money, wanting position, wanting a certain college, wanting a certain, living in a certain place. I mean, it could be the idea of wanting certain popularity, wanting to be the fast enough, the smart, the one who's smartest, the one who's funniest, the one who's most clever. Maybe it's just the idea of wanting people to love you and you'll do whatever it takes to have people love you, even when it takes you away from the love of God. That we all have these false shepherds. That they cannot truly lead us out of the fold. They cannot truly lead us into the good, full life. So they try to lure us away. And it's never for our own good. It's for our harm. And as false shepherds, we can so easily follow them. Yet, once we've heard the voice of the true shepherd, the good shepherd, then we would learn to reject the false voices and trust in the, the true one. So that's the idea of out of the fold. Remember the rectangle says fold out of the fold where there are many flocks within there and there were some that would be different belief systems, different for us nowadays. It's the idea that we're in the culture, we're in the world and there are multiple different types of belief systems, different ways of living, all these different things and they're all in one flock. And it's our old way of life in which we trust the old way rather than going into the flock, out of the fold and the next note in there is into the flock, the flock of Jesus as our shepherd. Verses 7 and 8 in John chapter 10 say this. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. Now, to be clear, he's not talking about 
Jewish religious leaders like prophets or people that were trying to go about following God the right way through the right door. So he's not saying that all the prophets were horrible or thieves or robbers. What he's saying is that false shepherds who try to use God as a way to make themselves more prosperous, that those are false shepherds. But he's saying that he is the gate. He is the door. For your notes, it says, once the sheep were led out of the fold, the door was the only way into the flock. And Jesus again says that he is the door. So what I want you to do as you fill that out is that once they're led out of the fold, out of the way where there's a bunch of different flocks following different shepherds, when we hear the true voice of the good shepherd, we go out of the flock into the fold. That there's two, there's the other type of sheep pen I want to draw your attention to. The first one was a rectangle. The second one I want to show you a picture of is one that's a much smaller one. The first one was one that was kind of closer to a town in which a lot of shepherds would be able to put their uh, sheep in overnight. This one is one that was more out in the country that they could put together and it was enough for only one flock. So one shepherd would have their one flock and they would put their sheep there overnight. So if you would draw on the back of your notes, if you would uh, leave some space between the rectangle and then put a circle that just says flock. So there's a rectangle that says fold. There's a circle that says flock. And the reason I want to have just those visual representations, a rectangular, circular, it doesn't mean that they were always those shapes. It's just for us to kind of divvy out what the two meanings are, okay? So what Warren Wearsby talks about is that, but the shepherd does not stop with leading the sheep out. It's not like it's just getting out of the flock, but the shepherd needs to lead them to where he needs them to go. So he also leads them in. They become a part of the one flock. Notice, not the fold, but the one flock with only one shepherd, not the fold with the multiple shepherds or flocks. A part of the one flock, not the fold, which is his church. So it's the idea that there are, peop there are sheep that would follow the one shepherd, that there are people who have to get out of their old life, their old way of understanding God, their old way of living, following these false shepherds, out of the flock, or out of the fold, into the flock where Jesus is our shepherd, and we go where he says we go, we follow his lead, we know his voice, and we end up living the life that he has for us. And so as we recognize that, we see that Jesus was very specific in John 10, 16, later on, that he says, he's talking to the Pharisees, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And so he's going back to the fact in verse 1, he's saying he's talking to the Pharisees, and he's talking about how they've missed the point of the fold, of the sheep pen, that they're the false shepherds. But what he's saying is that there are people from this fold that need to be called out of the fold into his flock. And then there's another sheep pen, and that is for us Gentiles, people who weren't Jewish. And so he's saying that I'm going to bring people who were from the Jewish faith and religion. I'm going to bring people who are Gentiles, who didn't have that background, and they're all going to be part of one flock. Not one fold, because one fold implies multiple shepherds. One flock as Jesus as their one shepherd. That he's bringing unity and bringing people together. So we see, once the sheep were let out of the fold, the door was the only way into the flock. And then verse, sorry, the next point is that the shepherd didn't just lead the flock through the door, he was the door. He didn't just lead them through the door, he was the door. That last night we had some uh, friends over and um, 
I had a headache, so I took a nap, uh, and Elise took a nap as well, and we ended up sleeping past the time when our friends showed up, and so I'm not a very good host. I was sleeping, and we ended up getting up, and I was just wearing like comfortable clothes, so I you know, switched my shirt and got into something a little bit more like respectable for company, and Elise, like you, uh, we have a doorway, um, it's the master bedroom, and then there's like a walk-in closet back here, and so I was in the closet like trying to get dressed, and Elise was like, Daddy. I'm gonna keep an eye out to make sure that they don't come in while you're getting dressed. And I'm like, thank you, honey. And me being like, super, I need illustrations for sermons. I uh, was like, are you gonna be my door? She's like, uh-huh. And it was like this idea, if she was the one who was gonna make sure that anyone who was supposed to be out would not come in, and I wouldn't, as me who being on the inside, would not go out until I was, you know, appropriately dressed. And so um, this idea that the physical person acts as the door. Now, I want to show you a couple pictures of a smaller sheep pen. And as we look at the first one, you can see if you look in the upper, or the upper right there, it's a person who's just kind of sitting in this doorway. And that, that shepherd was the door. That shepherd was what kept the, she, the sheep safely in and kept any wolves or any enemies or any false shepherds out. So when Jesus says, I am the door, he's, he's pulling this idea. There's one more picture if we get a little bit closer view of it. He's pulling in the idea that he is the one that is in between. He is the one that lets who needs to be in, in, who's called into the flock. He lets them in to be his flock. And he keeps those that would try to do harm on the outside so that there's no thieves or robbers or false shepherds that would affect his flock. And so he literally is the physical door that keeps the sheep safe. That in Ephesians 2, we're not going to read it all, but if you want to make a note, Ephesians 2, 13 through 18 on your notes, that section talks about how Jesus specifically through the blood of Christ, that there was the Jewish people and there are Gentiles and they are reconciled through Christ. That it's this idea that those who are far from God were brought near to God by the blood of Christ and that he has now made it okay or he has now made a way for both to come to know God truly. And so it's this idea that he makes a way where there's no way. He makes different flocks from one fold into one flock when they follow him. That from the fold, the rectangle, to the flock, the circle. And so Warren Wearsby, one more, says this. He says, he is the door of the sheepfold and makes it possible for the sheep to leave the fold, in that case, the religion of Judaism, and to enter his flock. The Pharisees threw the beggar out of the synagogue, but Jesus led him out of Judaism and into the flock of God. Again, it's the way that a shepherd lovingly leads his sheep, not just to leave the old way of understanding God, but to enter into the new way of understanding God. Because we can't just be led out of the old way without having a new way. We're led out of the fold into the flock so that we can fill in the next part of the notes so that we can be led into the full life. The full life that we've been created to have. Verses 9 through 10 say this. Again, Jesus says this in verse 9. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Not just a new life. Not just a good life, but a full life. Notice he didn't say an easy life. He didn't say a perfect life. 
But he said a life that was full to overflowing. A life that was full because Jesus gives us abundant living, abundant life. Not health and wealth, prosperity gospel, but recognizing that he has plans for us to prosper, not to harm us, to give us hope in the future. So we see here that the full life, in your notes there, it says that salvation is available to all, but there's only one way to enter. Salvation is available to all. That Jesus died that whoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved, as we sang earlier. That, let's picture this. We know that in the mor- like when you come to service, these two doors are locked. And even, let, let's pretend, let's say they're locked. Let's even pretend they weren't here, right? But let's say, you know, we, we're a church, we say we want to invite people, that they are welcome to come in, that we want people to come in. We want them to be a part of the church. And, but that we say, but, you know, these are locked, or pretend those aren't even there. But there is only one way to enter, The only way to enter is those doors back there. Now, that's not us being exclusive or hateful. That's just being truthful. There's only one way to come in, but all are welcome to come. So for us, when people say, well, if you say that Jesus is the only way, that he is the only door, he's the only gate through which we can experience people to be saved, well, then that's hateful. No, no, no. It's not hateful. It's truthful. There is only one way. It's not that there's many paths up the same mountain because there was only one path up to the Calvary's hill. And Jesus died on that cross because there's only one way for us to have eternal life. There's only one way to enter into this building on a Sunday morning. There's only one way to enter the sheepfold, and that is through Jesus as the door. That's not hateful. That's truthful. And so we look at this idea that as the door, Jesus, and, you're, and uh, Warren Wearsby, as the door, Jesus delivers sinners from bondage and leads them into freedom. They have salvation. That anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, who confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart, they will be saved. This word that it says in John chapter 10, verse 9, says this idea that I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. And that term is one of like this idea of a, um, someone who was deathly ill and was able to be physically safe and was then able to be healed. It's this idea of, yes, an eternal life type of saving, salvation, but it's also a very physical safety type of word that means salvation. And so whoever believes in him will be safe. Again, not everything's perfect. Not everything's going to be easy. Not that everything's going to be the way that we want it to be all the time, but the idea that we are safe. We are safe in the arms of our shepherd and we are saved from those who would try to do us harm. So the last part of your notes there is this idea that leaving the fold and entering the flock is the only way to the full life. Leaving the fold and entering the flock is the only way to the full life. That our loving shepherd could not keep us in the fold in which we would be in danger of listening to different shepherds trying to tell us different ways to live and could not lovingly do so as our good shepherd. That a good shepherd would say, even if this road isn't an easy road, you're with me. Hear my voice. Follow my voice. Let me lead you in the path. It's not always going to be easy. You might stumble. You might hurt yourself, but I will be with you. And if you break your leg, I will carry you upon my shoulders. That if it's one of those where the full life only happens when we leave the old life behind. 
And so we see, if you were to turn over your page again, you have a rectangle that says fold. You have a circle that says flock. The call to salvation and the call to right relationship with God in the full life is an arrow that goes from the fold to the flock. It's an arrow that moves us from our old way of life to the full life Jesus has died to give us. It's this idea of being able to make that move out of a multiple shepherd, large rectangular fold where everyone can be trying to let astray to being in the flock of Jesus as our savior, as our Lord, as our shepherd. And he's the only door through which that can happen. Now, I want to close because as you've noticed in the, in the NIV as I've been reading it, that it talks, Jesus says, I am the gate. He's using the word gatekeeper. Um, he says, I am the gate. So why are we looking at the idea of Jesus as a door? Well, the first reason is that there were like 60 or so translations of the English Bible and like 39 of them said door and like 21 of them said gate. And so that was one thing. Some of the older, more reliable ones that have like kind of go back to the original language have the word door a little bit more. So I liked that. But there's one specific thing that it, when I thought of the word gate, um, you know, it's kind of like a clear thing. It, you know, you kind of look at uh, either a clear chain link fence or, you know, the gate that goes out to our kids. You could still see through it. A door is this idea that, you know, there's only one way and you're either in or you're out. That we see Jesus talk about that in the parable of the ten virgins, that there will be a time when someone's pounding on the door and the people who are ready for Jesus to come, they'd be received in. The others, there's a door that keeps them out. That in Revelations 3.20, he says, I stand at the door and knock. Will you let me in to have a right relationship? And then it ties me back to Exodus 12, which is the Passover section. And in this, it's the final plague in Egypt in which the firstborn were to die. And all the other plagues had happened. And then God gave Moses the instructions of how to escape that tragedy. And this is how Moses relays that to the people in, verse, in Exodus 12, 21 through 24. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, which we talked about a Good Friday, uh, a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. And when the Lord goes throughout the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the door frame and will pass over that doorway, and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your household and strike you down. That the Israelites in Exodus had been in Egypt for 400 years. That their old way of life was the way of slavery and captivity. That's all they've ever known. That's all that they ever experienced. That they were in a fold in which other belief systems were there too, saying that this is the way to follow God, or in the Egyptian case, multiple gods. I mean, they were in the midst of this place where they were slaves and captives. And the only way for them to have a door out of the old life and into the full life was that a lamb that was without blemish would have to be slain, that the blood of that lamb would cover the door and that through that blood being over the door, they'd be passed over 
and not just passed over. It's not just that they escaped out of the fold. They were called into the flock with God as their shepherd to then wander the desert and to be able to experience eventually after stumbling and after 40 years of making mistakes and ups and downs, but they were eventually able to experience the full life of the promised land that God had given to them. And so for us, as we look at the idea of why are we using the word door rather than gate, there's other uses of doors we reference, but it's this idea that the only way for us to get out of our fold, out of the old way of life in which we've been captives, in which we've been slaves to sin, slaves to our former ways of life, to our hurts, habits, hangups that hold us back, slaves to our sinful nature in which that we are unable to find victory because the good things we want to do, we do not do, and the evil things we don't want to do, this we keep on doing. The only way for us to get out out of that fold, out of that life of slavery and captivity, that old life is because of the blood of a lamb who was without blemish that was poured out and the blood covers us. And it's through him which we can walk through that door and to get out of the old life, out of the fold, into the flock and into the full life. And so we have this picture that we just want to kind of have as that final visual that he says, I am the door with the blood of the lamb and the words of the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world, our Messiah, our Good Shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the bread of life, the door through which we can have eternal life. It is the only way. If you look at your notes, you'll notice there's a lot of things where it says the, the door was the only way out. The shepherd was the only one who could go through. If you look at the notes, you could circle the words only in your notes on the front page, and you'll recognize that there is an exclusivity with following Jesus. You don't follow Jesus and add other things on top of that. He's not something you add in a whole, to your agenda, but as Timothy Keller says, he is a whole new agenda. And then it is through that that we recognize that it is only through the door, it is only through the blood of the lamb slain for us that we can have out of the old life into the full life. So there are a few times in our lives, as we started this morning, there are a few times in our lives when we know things are going to be different, that our lives will no longer be the way they used to look. Whether it was a new school, whether it was a marriage, whether it was kids, whether it was a new house, a new job, whatever it may be. But then there are times in our lives when we don't, we have no idea the doors that, God's are open, that God is opening that we aren't aware of, that could change everything. That I had no idea when I was in September 20th, 2003, and I visited the guest house inn on the corner of Grand and Route 66 in Glendora, California. That's now a Garden Suites Inn. But I had no idea that when I walked into that room that, and checked in that afternoon with my mom as we were on our way down here to school, that when I checked in that afternoon, that when I came back that night, I'd be so broken that I had to surrender my life to God. I had no idea walking into that door that it was the last door I would ever walk into without having a saving relationship with Jesus. I didn't know that. Some of you didn't know that moment when everything was going to change. Some of you maybe even this morning didn't know that these doors were the doors that you were going to walk in and it would be the last time before God hadn't just screamed his love for you in such a clear way through the worship, through the word, through time with one another. Maybe, maybe he's speaking to you so clearly that you cannot help but be different when you walk out this door than you were when you first came in. And so sometimes we don't know, but we can hear his voice and we can respond and we can follow him who is the door. So as we close, I want you to ask yourself a couple questions just to process. If we are sheep in this passage, whose voice do we listen to most? 
Is it the voice of the false shepherd of the world and the way that they're calling us to live, want us to live? Or is it the voice of our good shepherd who calls us to come and follow him? Are you, are we, am I, are we still stuck in our old way of life? Are we still stuck in the fold, in our old understanding of how to relate to God, in our own, in our old way of life with our hurts, habits, hangups, and brokenness and temptations? Are we stuck here? Or have we been able to experience the door of freedom that comes with the blood of the lamb so we are out of the fold, into the flock, and into the full life? And lastly, what is one thing that you could do this week to leave that fold behind? That maybe it's a person that whenever you talk to them, it just always devolves into gossip or tearing people down. Maybe it's the fact that you just always end up pursuing a similar habit or something that you've always done, but it's always led you astray into sin. Maybe it's something where it's just you need to live with integrity in your schoolwork, in your job, in your employment, in the way that you live your life, and your finances, that you need to hold back or, or sorry, move back away from that and take hold of the new life, the full life. What's one thing that you can do to get rid of the fold and leave the fold behind so that you can take full hold of the life and the flock of Jesus Christ as our shepherd? Because he alone is our good shepherd. He alone is the door. He alone is our hope. He alone is the one that calls us forth. And he alone is the one that provides eternal life. And here's the thing, that is not hateful. That, my friends, is truthful. Jesus, we thank you so much that you are here in this place. And I thank you for each and every person that is here now, God. I pray, Jesus, that if you are calling some of us home, that maybe we've um, fallen short, maybe we've gone into the fold, we've gone back to an old way of life, and, and we've known you, we've heard your voice, but we've just become so deadened to it and turn a deaf ear to you so many times that it's hard to hear. Lord, I pray that you would speak clearly to our souls this morning. I pray for some of us that we are fully within your flock, but we're not fully taking hold of the full life because there's something holding us back. Father, help us to follow you, Jesus, in your voice so that we can be out of the fold into the flock, into the full life. And Holy Spirit, I pray that if there's anyone in this room, if there's anyone listening online later whose heart is beating just a little bit faster, because when they walked in this door, they didn't know that you were going to speak and move in them in the way that you are. I pray, God, that you would give them courage and boldness to hear your voice beckoning in them unto you, that you would hear, give them boldness and courage to share with someone, to come for prayer afterwards. I mean, whatever they need to do, Lord, may they not walk out these doors without acknowledging what you've done in their lives since they've walked in. And may we all be different when we walk out this door than we were when we first walked into them. We give you all the honor, the glory, and the praise. We love you, Lord. In your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen.